Hey y'all, it's your host Diana and I'm back with another episode of Our Space. For this month, it is National Nutrition Month, so of course I had to bring you guys a registered dietitian. I got on TikTok actually and literally searched Black women or I think Black girl nutrition and just went. I went for it and started searching and immediately found someone that I was like, yep, this is exactly what I want my listeners to hear. I need everyone to hear her. At the end, I will also plug her socials or I'll let her plug her socials. But yeah, so I'm going to introduce her and then we're going to jump into the conversation. So for today, like I said, we have a registered dietitian, registered dietitian, nutritionist, um, Esosa Osagide is a virtual registered dietitian nutritionist and a business owner. Esosa completed her undergraduate degree in nutrition emphasis in dietetics at Texas Women's University in Denton, Texas, and received her master's in public health, shout out to all my MPHs like myself, with an emphasis in underserved populations from Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, Oklahoma. She is passionate about helping Black women break free from restrictive dieting, create a healthy relationship with food, and build generational health with a mindset-focused framework. Her nutrition philosophy is food should be enjoyed, not feared. A balanced diet is flexible, not perfect. After her clients graduate from her group coaching program, the Nourished Mindset Academy, they have a whole new mindset when it comes to their approach to good health and making empowered decisions in their food choices without guilt or shame. So I'm going to let her talk about her business, the, uh, the Nourished Mindset Academy. And yeah, happy to have you here. Awesome. Well, glad to be here. That's um, interesting. Well, that's interesting that you went through uh, social media combing for a Black dietitian. Literally combing. Yeah, I, I even did that myself. Like hashtag Black dietitian. Okay, mm-hmm. one, two, three, four. Only four. Great. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a little bit of us. Uh, I'm excited to be in the field. Sometimes it's ups and downs being uh, in nutrition. Uh, Let's see. I feel like with my business, I started it because I wanted to, one, normalize like slow progressive weight loss. Like I'm it's sometimes hard to talk about weight loss because it can get so deep in diet culture with some folks, but I'm trying to help other folks who realize, you know what, I want to lose weight, but I really want to repair my relationship with food. I want to lose weight, but I want to be able to do this for the long term. So I'm just really there in that sweet spot for those folks um, who really want to know what nutrition is all about, but also not cut out every single food and just, you know, sip on air. Yeah. And like you said about, so one of the reasons why I started the platform, um, because I did find you on social media, you didn't get probably the usual spiel that I give my other guests about how the podcast came to be and things like that. But so this podcast is an extension of work that I do at the university. And it started off as actually monthly open forum type sessions. I wanted to expose the women in the group to Black women in public health, allied health professions, because there are so few of us and representation, as we know, matters. But the first um, first meeting that we had, it was in person. It We had technical difficulties because the woman that I found was in Atlanta and we were on Zoom, which was fine, but it was a whole thing. So I was like, okay. And attendance wasn't perfect. So I was like, you know what? What is a way that I can bring this information, still get these girls exposure to these Black doctors and health professionals without 
forcing them to go to a space. Um, we know when it comes to, I'm sure, um, nutrition and my background is fitness, actually. Time is a big constraint for people and it's a big excuse. It's an inhibitor. It's a factor. So I was like, what can I do that they can do this on their own time, but still get the information and exposure to these great women? So I started the podcast on a whip kind of. I was like, there's got to be a way that I can record this and just throw it out there. And that's exactly what I did. Not necessarily throw it out there. But yeah, so that's how the podcast came to be. And it's a lot of it, like I mentioned, my guests are not near me. Uh, the university that I work at, Ohio University, is in Athens, Ohio, which is a rural area. And yeah, so I don't, we don't have a lot of, even though we are affiliated with a medical school, like I was telling you about earlier, we still don't have like a ton of like black practicing doctors in the area. I don't know any other black MPHs near me. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely don't know any black dietitians. And all the guests that I've had have been from other places because we just don't have that at the university or in Athens, period. So, yeah, um, the fact that you even as a dietitian are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. And, yeah, the fact that I had to turn to social media because I know a lot of professional women in other realms. But, yeah, I don't know any. I used to work with a dietitian, beautiful white woman named Laura. She was great. But that's the only dietitian I knew. So, yeah, use social media. It's a blessing that we have that. But also, yeah, annoying that I had to Mm -hmm. go to social media to find someone, a black woman specifically. So do you, yeah. I guess with that, do you know other Black female dietitians? Oh, yeah. So let's see. Let's go back to school. There's very few of us. Um, I have two Black dietitian friends that I'm really close to. We went to undergrad together. And that's, I didn't meet a dietitian, a Black dietitian, until we became dietitians. Um, and then after that, then I got on social media, you know, hashtag black dietitian on my post, you know, the, and then I start to actually build this small community of black RDs. And I'm like, dang, it's really a lot of us. But then when you, but when I come outside of that community, it's like, mm, it's really not that many of us. So it's just um, started out with just me and my friends that I graduated with. And then um, after I got on social media, I was like, okay, we're here. We're here. We're just, we're spread out. We are very spread out. <laughs> Love it. Okay, good. And I, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Um, this is not a space where I don't know a ton about dietetics. Like I said, my background is in fitness. Um, my bachelor's degree is in exercise physiology, so I know like about macronutrients and like the bare bones basics. But yeah, I'm glad that you know others and that there are others that exist because yeah, I was, I wanted definitely to do this because it is National Nutrition Month and it just seemed like a perfect thing. Yes. But I was like, I had no idea where I was gonna go. So love that. I love that you have that community for yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk more about the Nourish Mindset Academy or do we want to hold that till we just jump? Um, I will talk about it near the end after they get a feel for who I am. Right. Get the, get, hear the things. Okay. <laughs> and then I'll let you know what it's about. Yes. yes. Love that. Okay. So then I'll start with, so I don't usually do this. I don't usually have like a segment or different things like this, but I thought for nutrition specifically, I was like, let's do a little fact or fiction section because I feel like, and you probably are equally as irked by this as a professional. I know mm. in fitness, people try to tell me things all the time about fitness. And I'm like, that's funny because I'm a professional, like, or or argue with me, I guess. The report, the the back and forth. And I'm like, you're arguing with me about something that I'm a, I have 
a degree in mm-hmm. and you're wrong you're loud mm-hmm. and wrong and I think the same probably happens a lot for other professions but being in fitness I know that people have a lot of ideas about nutrition and dieting so I was like let's do mm. yeah they have so many and the internet is again a gift and a curse yes. so I came up with a few things these are just things that I that I know that I, I already know they're false but <laughs> and then some of them are, I was like you know what people um, this might be a thing or like one of them is something that I do. So I was like, wait, is this not actually true? So let's, let's just jump into it. So the very first yes. one is mm-hmm. if you want to lose weight, you have to give up carbs. Fact or fiction? So straight up fiction, straight up fiction. Um, can I explain a little bit? Absolutely. Is that cool? Okay. So, uh, this is such, such a misconception and it's, it's really scary and sad when I am talking to some women and they are legit hungry, legit, no energy, legit migraines. Uh, I mean, craving like crazy. And I'm just, I look at their diet. They tell me what they're doing and it's, well, I mean, I'm just having protein and fat. Okay. So no carbs, no carbs. Okay. So if you want to have sustainable weight loss, if it, I was always, I will always tell people if your goal is just weight loss, then okay. Cut out carbs. You're going to continue to find yourself in this loop of weight loss. You're never, ever going to get to a place of weight maintenance because you you're long, you don't have a long-term goal, no long-term strategy. So cutting carbs, almost, I mean, it's facts if you want to just lose weight and get it, you know, gain it right back. But it's fiction if your goal is to maintain your weight loss, whatever it was. So um, yeah, fiction. Excellent. That is one of the ones that I knew was false, but I hear it so much. Um, the funny thing is, in my family, I don't, we don't, we're not dieters, but my uncle, I got one uncle, he, he's one of those people who wants to, to tell me about fitness and nutrition. So this is his one all the time. He's like, I'm cutting out carbs, D, I'm cutting out carbs, I'm about to be skinny. And I'm like, yeah, for a day. <laughs> it's just not sustainable. But yeah, the carb conversation is one that I hear all the time. So I needed the professional to let them know it's fiction. So the next one, this is one that, um, yeah, that I hear quite a bit also, and I'm interested to hear your take. Drinking a gallon of water a day will help you lose weight. Fact or fiction? Fiction, fiction. You, you do not have to drink a whole gallon of water. I really don't actually know when and how that started. I mean, usually a lot of these diets or ideas really come from celebrities, unfortunately, sometimes. So I'm not really sure which celeb started this drink a gallon a day. You don't need that much. You need about your body weight in ounces. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Body weight in ounces. That I mean, it's that's it. You don't. That's just it's crazy. And then even go back to even more simpler, uh, eight cups of water a day. You know, get you your sixty-four ounces of water, and you doesn't have to be a whole gallon. And I think the the, I think the thinking when people are like, okay, let me get a whole gallon is like now they're filling up on water and they don't necessarily need to eat. That's very disordered to me. Um, you still need food. Water is not nutrients. Water is hydration. Your kidneys, your liver, your organs definitely need it. However, it's, water is not a substitute for actual food. So always, always remember that. Um, if you're on your weight loss journey, drink your water, stay hydrated, but make sure you are having breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack as well. 
And if you can't, if you feel like, okay, I'm really stuffed. Okay, are you still trying to drink this gallon? Let's go ahead and pull back a little bit and then start actually eating your food. Fiction. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. I don't I don't know where I heard that either. I feel like I had a friend do it. She would carry around a literal gallon of jug. And I was like, that's awesome. But And then it's weird, I think, sometimes when people do that and they do actually lose weight. And they're like, see, I told you. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. See, that's that's oh, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. A lot of these um, diets, they're like so so. But I lost weight. I'm like, cool. I'm not arguing with you. You do anything that cuts out food, you will lose weight. I don't know why people. Yeah, you will lose weight. Is that your only goal? Then I'm not your dietitian for you. I help people get to a place where they can sustain, not get to the place. Boop, and I'm back. Oh, boop, and I'm back. I'm trying to do it all over again. It's just. Mm-mm sustainability is key that's not sustainable agreed yeah next one cutting back on sugar also means you have to give up fruit oh god (laughs) i know i know (laughs) fact or fiction i have this argument my full-time job uh quite often with um with a lot of people like it's crazy we demonize carbs to the fact that we're trying to give up fruit. Yep. <laughs> that is fiction, 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 fiction. There are so many different types of sugar. There's literally, literally four are coming to my mind. Glucose, fructose, galactose, sucrose. I mean, easy. So your, your body actually recognizes all four of those very easily and gives you energy easily off of those and also fruit gives you fiber it's giving you antioxidants phytochemicals like all those things that are going to fight inflammation in your body so we cannot just reduce fruit to sugar it's just sugar so if again if that is what you're doing reducing carbs reducing fruit to just sugar you're really missing out on the whole picture of what that food is actually offering you Um, So fiction. Okay. So with that, I know that we're, we're both speaking right now about whole fruit, obviously like eating an apple, eating a banana, whatever. Do you have any, do you feel differently if it's like, if you made a smoothie, let's say with whole fruit, so then it gets reduced down to liquid, obviously, but does that change any of the the gusto or passion that you've just had about um, whole fruit? It doesn't change it, but when you are eating, when you are switching your whole fruit to a smoothie, you are now like, okay, I instead of eating one apple, because I can never eat two or three in one sitting, I can now actually do it if I blend that mug together. But now you are actually increasing the total glucose or the sugar going into your bloodstream, which is going to spike your blood sugar really high. Um, so that's why I'm always like whole fruit is the best option just because you are actually, your body actually gets to digest that item versus if you blend it, you're taking away the fiber, take, taking away that work your body has to do to actually digest. Um, so if you're going to do a smoothie, you want to make sure that you are still doing one to one and a half servings of fruit. Make sure you have adequate protein, have some healthy fat in there um, to make sure it's a, it make sure it's balanced. So your blood sugar is not hitting, spiking up every time you're drinking a smoothie. So again, whole fruit, I personally, that's my first go-to, 
But if you want to do a smoothie, that's fine. But you want to make sure that it is balanced. I do actually have a free resource on my link in my bio um, on how to make a balanced smoothie because we can be having our blood sugar just spiking up. I have done that to myself one time before, before I understood like the balance and practice you just spoke of. I right. put, it was no sugar added, pineapple, orange, strawberry juice, and then all this fruit. Just know it was the first thing I drank that day and I was, had a headache and no one understood why I was like, my blood sugar was up to it. It was a whole thing. Anyway, mm. whole fruit first. Yes. So next one, fact or fiction, drinking green tea reduces belly fat. So I I want to say fiction, but there is some just a little bit of research that shows that green tea can help with your metabolism. Um, but again, it is more of the short term thing. It's like, okay, you drink the green tea, metabolism speeds up just a little bit for the next couple hours, and then it's back to where it's, where it's at. So I want to say fiction just because I don't want people to, and people are always looking for that one thing that's going to do it. It's, it's never going to be one thing that does it. Green tea has a lot of great, and again, we don't want to reduce it to something. I'm always thinking about big picture. Green tea has a lot of great antioxidants, um, reduces inflammation within the body as well. So green tea alone does not reduce your body, body like belly fat. No way. So fiction. Okay. So when I said that one of these on the list was something that I do, that was the one. I was like, not necessarily to reduce belly fat, but the, the metabolism thing. And I'm naturally pretty fatigued anyway, so I don't even know if I could, if I would notice a difference. But when I would do it, <laughs> that's what I was trying to do. <laughs> but anyway, mm, gotcha. so the next one, this one, I didn't do, I'm not going to say I didn't research on it, but it popped up in when I was looking for topics and things. So mm -hmm. fact or fiction, Black women lose less weight on the same diet as white women. This is an interesting question because... I've never heard an argument like this one before. And if people are, I never even, nobody's brought this to my attention. Um, black women lose weight, less weight on the same diet. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I would that's, I wouldn't say that's facts. I want to, I'm leaning towards fiction because again, if we're just talking about weight loss the the only goal right now is just weight loss then you most definitely can lose the same amount of weight um again it's all about body types too again like if somebody if you're talking to a um a 20 year old white woman a 40 year old black woman and they're trying to do the same diet the 20 year old has been dieting a less amount of time so the metabolism has not slowed down as significantly as the black woman in her 40s who's trying to do the same diet so she's going to have a harder time um getting that weight off just because she had been dieting for so long reducing her um mass her muscle mass um slowing down her metabolism all those things so I wouldn't say it's just purely like race, does it? It's, it has so many other factors that might be in play. Um, but sustaining that weight loss, if a black woman is trying to cut out grits, cut out collard greens, cut out um, ham hocks, sweet yams, all the, trying to cut out her cultural food in order to sustain weight loss, that's likely 
the white woman might sustain it much longer just because those foods are not part of her culture. Her family don't sit at a dinner table eating those. But the black woman, she might keep going back and forth because that is part of her culture. She doesn't want to give it up. She loves it, but also trying to keep that weight off. And it is a conundrum. So I think it it's a lot of... Um, nuance to that question <laughs> i think i think it is also a very so a very nuanced conversation so this is not an argument that i have heard in real life i actually found apparently there was a study done and they did find that black women when they again i didn't deep dive into the study but it was essentially that they put these women on the same diet they made sure that it was very like that they were adhering to the diet and then when they came back and collected the data that um between the two groups, black women had lost on average less weight than the white women. But again, I think, like you said, it's a very nuanced conversation. This obviously can't be reduced down to literal race, but that was a study. But that also just goes to show that people studying weird things, or I guess not always causality is there. Like this was not a race thing. This could have been something different. Don't know, but I can send you a link to the study if you want. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I ain't ever heard nobody say this in real life, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting, so I wanted to see your professional take on it as well. Yeah. Um, and then the last one: if you want to lose weight, you can't eat after nine p.m. Fact or fiction? Definitely fiction. Um, when I was actually in my own weight loss journey, there's no way that I could have not eaten after nine. I was in school, late night class. Like I had to eat because, I mean, just anybody. If you plan on staying up later than four hours after your last meal, then you do need to have something before before going to bed. So, for example, if you – 9 a.m. is not too bad. So, if you, if you plan on going to sleep at 10, then, okay, don't eat after 9 because we don't want any uh, acid reflux happening. We want to make sure our food is nice and digesting. But if you habitually go to sleep at um, midnight, then you could have a little something at that 9.30 mark. Have a nice snack, balanced snack um, before you go to sleep. Because, again, your body needs a, um, of some nutrients of every three to four hours, some type of glucose, some type of energy source every three to four hours. And it doesn't have to be a huge meal. It can be something small, um, apple cheese stick or apple peanut butter, apple cottage cheese or whatever it might be. I'm trying to pair carb protein or carb healthy fat. So it's, it's fiction. What are you eating after nine? A lot of people find themselves, and I feel like this came um, about when, like with cravings and stuff, if you're, if you're finding yourself in your cupboard or pantry or whatever, snacking on food after nine, it's because you didn't eat enough during the day. Don't blame your body. Your, your body's just doing what it needs. It needs to fast energy. And like I said, carbs are fast energy. It's going to go for the carbs first versus it's not going to go for like the cheese stick is not going to go for like the Greek yogurt is going to go for whatever is the highest in carbs, simple to bring down like a donut cookies or whatever. So make sure you're eating. So you don't have that craving late at night. Okay. I'm losing my train of thought here. Just know that eating after, after dark is not bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just a matter of staying up. So basically also that you don't need to, um, 
if you're going to bed at 10, eating at nine might not be the best idea because right, you're down. Right, like, exactly. Having that space to let the food digest. I think that's where I was Exactly, exactly. But if you go to bed at 12 all the time, you can, I mean, it's okay to have something after nine. Yeah. That makes sense. You still you're still using brain energy. You're still doing something that requires energy. Excellent. So that was the end of my factor fiction segment. Those I think are the ones that I hear the most. The late night eating, um, the water thing, the carbs thing. Carbs are have been made, have been villainized. You absolutely it's it's very weird and as a big carb person i love pasta i love bread i can literally sit and eat my grandma used to go to sam's club and get these boxes of croissants and she would like hide them from me because she knew i could sit there and eat all of them i love carbs and i just hate when people say that they're going to give them up just because also from like a physiological standpoint i know that your brain and all of your parts you need you literally need carbs people you need carbs (laughs) and i also think i sometimes that people when they say they're giving up carbs it's usually just pasta and bread when so many other things are still considered carbs as well i don't think people realize that um much like the fruit situation people just don't realize what certain foods are carbs in people's minds are just bread bread is carbs which they are obviously but it's a whole thing so yeah i definitely want to touch on all of those so thank you for your opinion so now that y'all have heard it from someone other than me don't bring this back to me. Don't bring this foolishness back to me. Y'all heard the woman say it. she's a dietitian. So, yeah. Okay, so the next thing that I want to talk about is fad diets. Kind of on the same lines as the car situation. I hear a ton of people mm-hmm. talk about keto. And keto, intermittent fasting, and just general no-carb diets. And I guess I just want to get your input on the sustainability of that. And if those... One of the things that I do know is that they... I'll, spoiler alert, they're not super sustainable and that they aren't for everybody. Like like when people talk about um, no, no gluten and things like that, if you don't have celiac disease or some other absorption problem, you don't really yeah. not eat gluten. And I also don't think people even realize what gluten is or when companies yeah. label things gluten-free. Babes, this didn't have gluten in it in the first place. They're tricking you. <laughs> they're, tricking you. they're able to label that as gluten-free because it never had gluten. It never had gluten. But yeah, so let, let's jump into fad diets because, again, I hear a lot about keto specifically, no carbs. And as of late, people must have, there must have been articles circulating somewhere because people have really gotten into intermittent fasting. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jeez, I have no idea where to start on these diets. It's really crazy because people, it's like people will risk their health in the name of weight loss. Yes. Keto. Keto, for example. I was just talking to somebody and she was like, yeah, I'm trying keto. I want to see how it works for me. I want to, oh my God, her, for example, uh, I want to reduce my cholesterol. So I'm going to try keto. Okay. So you're increasing your fat. Yes. Okay. You're trying to reduce cholesterol. Okay. Um, what? A, tell me what you're eating. Uh, people, keto, everybody's always doing coconut oil. That's what I'm always like looking out for. Well, I do about, uh, I cook with coconut oil with my lunch and dinner. And then I'm, I say, okay, let's back up. Let's back up. I think a lot of people do not realize you only need about 18 grams of saturated fat in a day. Like we really need to limit saturated fat. Um, one tablespoon of 
of uh, coconut oil gives you 13 grams. So you're already close to the allotment for the day. And that's just one tablespoon. So I try to tell people, we can't always think weight loss as our only goal when it comes to our weight loss journey. We have to think about improving our health. What are your labs looking like? People want to lose weight, but haven't even had labs drawn in the last five years. What is your actual health looking like? Um, let's see. And also, let's see, intermittent fasting. Me personally, like I just said, your blood sugar, your body needs a source of energy to move throughout the day. I know you're probably like, well, I am moving. I don't ever eat. Well, your liver is taking over. Your liver is actually going to create the glucose it needs. Your liver is going to actually divert what it normally does is reduce, remove toxins from your body, reduce that a little bit to now it has to take over and keep you alive because you're not doing it for it. Okay. So your body can't do that forever. Okay. So I try to tell people these diets are not only not only not sustainable because you stop lying, you like carbs. And two, you're physically, your organs are trying to keep up, but it cannot do that forever. It needs energy regularly. Um, so yeah, that my little spiel on that real quick. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so with with the not intermittent fasting. Okay, so do you think there's a place for things like keto? I don't know the origins of where that came from or like why normal people have become so obsessed with doing a keto diet, but does it have like some sort of medical origins or anything like that, that like for someone, a keto diet would make sense? Oh yeah. People with epilepsy. Um, It started for children with epilepsy and adults just took it over and took it and that thought, okay, people are actually losing weight with keto. So now it turned into weight loss. People don't even know that keto, a ketogenic diet started for those with epilepsy because it helped reduce their epileptic seizures. Um, And it still helps them today. So when there are, I've had a friend who has, um, she had epilepsy, she has seizures. I helped her reorganize her diet. It is very much keto. And now she doesn't have those seizures as much anymore. But that is the she, but one, I also help make sure that she's not increasing her saturated fat as she's increasing her fat and decreasing her carbs. So make sure I'm still thinking about her health in mind, but I want to improve her quality of life. So she's not just having seizures all the time. A lot of people do not realize that was the keto ketogenic diet was for those folks, not for people who don't have any neuro um, transmitter issues. So that, that was who was, and, and, and I guarantee you, People don't even know what epilepsy is. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because I I was kind of taking a stab in the dark when I asked about that piece. I had no idea that that is where ketogenic diets stem from. And you're right. There are people out here who don't know what epilepsy is but are doing keto diets. You are 1,000% <laughs> correct on that. That's so interesting to me. Um, I actually have a cousin who was epileptic. And I'm going to ask her, like, sis, you ever tried this? I know hers is pretty well managed with medication, but that is... That is so interesting to me. And it could also be a, a good way to lose weight, too. I guess if that that's fascinating. I'm so glad you said that. And then, yeah, we've already talked about no carbs. We're done with the no carbs. I want y'all to stop. We're done. We're done. We're done. So I and think. I try to, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. you go ahead. And I try to, um, something else I try to tell people 
people are always coming up to me, well, so if you say carbs are good, like what are the good carbs and what are the bad carbs? Now, we're not doing that either. We're not doing good, bad. We're not putting morality on food. There's no such thing as um, a bread didn't come at you with a gun, okay? A piece of pasta didn't come at you with a knife. Yes. That's bad, okay? <laughs> the food is just there to nourish your body and make you feel good. Um, so we're going to get away from using terms like good or bad when we're describing food. Now, if you want to um, maximize on your carbs, okay, go for those carbs that are high in fiber. Reduce those uh, carbs that are low in nutrients, uh, very low in fiber, have no fiber. You want those to be your fun foods. So cookies, cakes, donuts, those are fun foods. They're not bad foods. They're not bad carbs. They're your fun foods. And we want to make sure fun stays in moderation in our diet. So just again, got to take that that mindset of good, bad away. I agree. And I think that's like the perfect segue for us to get into more more of like the heart of what I really want to talk about today, or not that all of this hasn't been amazing, but one of the things that I was particularly interested in talking to a Black dietitian about is not having to cut out the things that we grow up eating. Um, the people don't know this because I didn't mention it, but you're Nigerian. Um, yeah. I'm a Black American, grow up on Black American food and our culture. And I feel like sometimes we... Um, People are under the impression that you have to give those things up if you want to diet and eat better and eat right. And one of the things when I found your TikToks and your page was that that's like the the pinnacle of your of your work is that you don't have to give that stuff up. It's about moderation and things like that. So mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Let's let's talk to the people about not giving up what we love and like keeping our fun foods and then maybe yeah the maximizing foods and things like that because yeah I think for Black people in particular this is probably like. One of the hardest things is like, I don't want to eat bland, unseasoned chicken every day to lose weight. And, I don't, and you don't have to. That's something I try to tell people. But again, this is not this is not my ministry. I am not a dietitian. So, yeah, you tell yes. us about not yes. depriving ourselves of the things that we love. And the thing is, why? And a good, I mean, like, like you said, the, the, not depriving ourselves of the things we love. Why would you do that? Let's think like, why would you deprive yourself of the things you love? You cannot deprive. I always tell people, if you can't do it for the rest of your life, don't start it. Don't start it. If you know you love grits in the morning, don't stop it. Because I guarantee you, you're going to lose the weight. You're going to cut those things out. That's cute. Okay, weight loss for two weeks. And then you're going to go right back to what you love. You're not going to stop. Don't. So I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop. That's, again, like you said, my work, I'm always trying to tell uh, Black folks, all Black folks, you know, depending on their diaspora, you do not cut out your cultural foods. That is the one surefire way that you're going to just continue in that same diet cycle. And I actually help educate my clients on why their cultural food is healthy. Because I think, again, when you look at so many of these diets, they really do do such a good job of kind of keeping uh, foods like plantain. I know that was really big lately um, out the out your diet or fufu or um, a goosey soup or okra soup, all those, those are Nigerian foods. So, and I see a lot of Nigerians trying to keep those out. I'm like, a goosey soup is vegetables. Okra soup is vegetables. Collard, like a lot of black people. Oh, I'm not doing collard greens. Like I have been doing my kale salad. I'm like, first of all, let's talk about what is the nutritional difference between collard greens and kale? 
There's none. There's none. And here you are trying to cut it out. I really believe diet culture can be, well, is racist because a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these meal plans that people are giving out, they do not include culture foods at all. It's very much giving um, skinless chicken with broccoli and rice. So, and again, are you, are you going to do that for the rest of your life? Always ask yourself, can I do this for the rest of my life? If the answer is no, I guarantee you. Look, follow me, melanin underscore pop and RDN. I will help you out and normalize seeing progressive weight loss. Normalize seeing cultural food, delicious looking food in a plate that, okay, wow, she is getting all the fiber. She's getting all the protein and she's smacking on that food. Like, that could be you too. It doesn't have to be this very much black and white, flip the switch on, flip it off type of thing when it comes to your weight loss or your health. Yeah. And I think a big part of that, like you have mentioned, if you can't do it for the rest of your life, don't start it. I think, especially when it comes to diet and exercise in particular, people don't realize that this stuff has to become a lifestyle and doing things like cutting those foods out and stuff like that are what make it impossible to create a healthy, a true healthy lifestyle. I know sometimes people diet for the sake of like, I'm, I'm out of town at a wedding this weekend. A couple weeks ago, I was like, mm, I should do something so I can get ready for my dress, whatever. And those are the kind of things that keep people in those cyclical, those cyclical things. Like, oh, I'm just going to diet for these six weeks or that. And you can't sustain it. I know, girl. girl. Me. I know. I didn't look. No. Any better. I didn't actually do anything. I decided, yeah, I said, eh, oh, well, they're going to get what they get. It's not my wedding. But Period. the point is, I had the thought, though, and I know that that yeah. is dangerous. As a person who I used to be a college athlete, so exercise used to be a big part of my life because it was pre-scheduled. Now that I'm yeah. a 28-year-old and a professional, it's no longer a lifestyle, and I do find it so hard to get that exercise in. I don't. I would never consider myself a dieter, but one of the ways that I maintain my weight, since I know I don't exercise the way I should, is through my food. But I also Absolutely. don't deprive myself of anything, never. And I, and I just it pains me when people are like, "Oh, girl, I'm on a diet. I can't have nothing." Like, no, no, babes, you're sad. You're sad and hungry. Come on. <laughs> and that, and it sucks, and it makes people resent food. And food, literally, God put this food on the earth for us to be nourished, so we can do things. And when you when you cut it out or demonize it, it just takes the fun out. Food is supposed to be fun. I think I don't know. I like food. As an adult, I have become quite the foodie. I love going to restaurants and trying whatever their house drink is, whatever the, their <laughs> signature dish is, whatever. So, like, I don't know. I just can't imagine if dieting is what white diet culture looks like. I don't want it. And I think that's the struggle that a lot of other women of color have is yeah. I, I can't eat that way. Um, and it's good to know that you don't have to. And all those issues yeah. that you named, I knew about them. I knew about yeah. all the Nigerian dishes. Those are, and I think also, I think sometimes people don't realize. I think again because of Westernized culture, that a lot of like cultural dishes they have a lot of vegetables and th- they good for you. There's a reason why our ancestors had them and they didn't die from it. Like they didn't have the problems that we have now with the high cholesterol and things like that. They were eating and working differently. And now it's right. like we have all these advances, yet somehow have moved backwards when it comes to food. I don't know. Come on. <laughs> Preach. Like, well, you talked about, oh, I should have a notepad because you talk, you talk about three things that I'm like, oh, I want to comment on. I think the first one was um, 
because I just was talking about it in my story. Like literally after this, I'm going to get on my story and talk about it with the folks. It is trying to lose weight for an occasion, trying to do something when something is coming up. Now, I will be a liar if I was if I never thought, let me go ahead and get an extra rep in because I know I got that cruise coming in. Like, let me go ahead and get an extra squat in, get this booty right for the, I mean, but that's a little bit different versus, okay, I'm about to go hard and cut out all carbs, drink a gallon of water so I don't feel hungry. Um, be in the gym two times a day so I can get in this swimsuit for this day and then you just stop. <laughs> You're going to stop because that's not sustainable. That type of mentality is not sustainable. Now, I know some people will say, well, I mean, what if I I do all that, but I end up trying to make that a lifestyle? You cannot make that type of behavior a lifestyle. That like That's not a lifestyle. So Always, I always tell people, just think, can I do the first rest of my life? If not, it's not for you. Now, if you have, I just, yeah, I'm just, I'll keep that there. I'm not a big fan of trying to lose weight intentionally for something that's coming up because you're going to stop. That weight cycling on your body will hurt you over time. And a lot of people are like, well, they don't, they, and unfortunately research has not really came up to where we are now with all this yo-yo dieting we're looking at a whole bunch of chronic disease in uh, the black community and all people can say is oh uh fat obesity um overweight this is why xy disease but some of these people have been dieting for decades that on your body can cause inflammation inflammation cause uh chronic illness Again, you can go back to insulin with diabetes. If you have not been eating and then you eat one one huge meal, then you don't for years, decades, you're going to cause something with your insulin. Well, insulin is going to give out. Your pancreas is going to say, sis, you've been doing too much for years. Go ahead and go to medication. I can't do it no more. So I'm just trying to help you out. Like, you know what your pancreas and your organs are telling you. Um, but yeah, that, don't do it. Uh, what's the other thing you said? <sighs> Look. Like I said, I need a notepad. This happens to me too. I people start talking. I'm like, I need to. I want to comment on this. This, but like, I try to be an active listener. But I'm like, I need to write this down because when she get done talking, I gotta say this. Um, one of the other things I mentioned was not depriving yourself of things. Not depriving yourself. Um, I think a lot of people do talk to me in the DMs on Instagram. Um. Well, not even on Instagram. I won't say Instagram. My full-time job, they try to kind of come off like, yeah, I'm not eating carbs. Oh, oh I'm not doing this. And I just like, I'm, as your dietitian, I will never tell you to do something I would never do. If it's like, I'm not going to, a lot of people, they ask me, well, don't you feel like if I stopped eating bread, then I would, I would never stop eating bread. I don't care where I am in life. Bread is it. Like avocado toast, like I can't get rid of that. So um, as your dietitian, I will never tell you to not do something. The only shoulds that are in my diet and that are in my vocabulary when it comes to food are your saturated fat should stay within a certain limit. It should not exceed the upper limit. Um, Your diet should include vegetables and fruit. Like those are the shoulds, not I shouldn't be eating bread or I, I should only stay 1200 calories, which that's another one. 
I don't know why the magic number is 1,200 calories, but that's for children. Yeah. That's for children. Okay? Not for us grown women. All right. Not 1,200 calories. But again, I, I if I'm not going to do it, I will never put that on somebody else, which a lot of people do that on the internet. They capping out here. Yeah, they're lying. And I quick thing about the 1200 calories that's that that can't be that's another piece that's not sustainable or like how hungry you would be 1200 calories that that's not real and yeah y'all keep that in mind hear me hear us that's not real um and i think the last thing that i mentioned that you were like yes girl was about um the things that our ancestors ate and yes there you go yes yes so like you said you we are getting so technological nowadays and you would think, okay, so health outcomes should be better. Not necessarily. Um, that The food our ancestors ate, they did such a good job listening to their body. They did such a good job listening to what their body was telling them they needed. Now we live in an era where people are trying so hard to go against their body that's not what they did in those times. They literally paired beans and rice together because they realized they sustained them longer, gave them a little bit more strength to keep going versus just eating a piece of meat, right? So having those, they realized those things were actually helping sustain them. And now we're in this era where people, we have, first of all, we have drive throughs everywhere. Hell, we have DoorDash now coming at your every call. Like, you don't have to move to get food and that is one reason why chronic illness is up because movement is down people will drive across the street before they walk there so there's a lot of different things at play when it comes to more uh, a technical society um but i always tell people go back to those times in your head is go back to those times act like you don't have a car go for a walk act like you doordash is not around the corner and you just pull it up on your phone actually go to grocery store cook Prep your food. Those little things make a huge, huge difference. Cutting carbs, restriction, that's just going to do something for a teensy bit, and then you're going to go back. Just think about that cycle. Um, Yeah, culture of food, which your grandparents did. Don't get me wrong. There are some certain meals, like, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm just going to talk about uh, candy yams. I have definitely seen my mother, my grandmother, pour half of the little thing of sugar in candy yams. Okay, I'm like, okay, whoo, that is a lot. But I will always tell people, this is from, this is a person-to-person thing. I'm just going to give a general um, statement here with this. How often are we doing that? Is this just for Thanksgiving? Can I just expect expect this at Thanksgiving? Or am I trying to have this, um, all this added sugar in my yams every Sunday for family meals? Now, I always tell people, if you plan on having yams or uh, sweet potatoes more often in, throughout the year, that's cool. The yams are not the problem. Yams are good. Like, they're good. They're Gucci. Okay? It's all the added stuff we're putting in. Let's reduce the sugar in a sense. Let's Let's add some different herbs. Let's add some different spices. Let's get a little bit creative. The one thing my dad likes to bicker about me going out to eat. First of all, he like Applebee's and chilies. He has no, he he can't, he's not on my level. Yeah, he has to exit the chat for that. Sorry. He has to exit the chat. If you're talking about Applebee's, exit the chat. 
Um, but when I go to other restaurants, I'm always like writing down what their their ingredients, like what was this? Let me, I'm getting curious while I'm eating out because I'm not going to eat out all the time. That's way too much. They're likely adding a lot more added sugar, a lot more salt to my food versus if I'm going to take these ingredients, go back home, cook them myself. They're going to be way less added sugar, way less added salt. Um, and I'm still having a great meal. So I, there's a lot of different things you can do, um, to, you know, enjoy your food. Okay. Yes. I agree with all that. I think that's a good idea. The, I think I often go to like different restaurants and you see like what, how they prepared something and never like dawns on me to, Hey, you can try this at home too. I think that's another thing. Um, and what you said about DoorDash and Instacart and all those things and no shade to my girls, the busy, the busy moms, all the things, but I think that's one of the wildest things I have ever heard of. Um, I find it therapeutic to go to the grocery store. I like walking around the grocery store. Sometimes I park farther away because I know I ain't done nothing else today. So I'm like, let me park out here, walk to the grocery store and then walk around the grocery store. I enjoy it. Being able to pick up your groceries, like I said, is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. And it kind of contributes. I mentioned about the initiative, change our outcomes and things like that. The work that I do at the university, that is like the crooks of my work is getting black women more active and things like that and yeah cutting out that simple task or cutting out like you said people will drive across the street before they'll walk across the street is is that's what's killing us not maybe necessarily what you went to the store for or what you ate or you know what i mean and right there's a lot a lot at play like people just reduce it to fruit is bad Oh yeah. my God, here we go. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's another thing. There's a lot of reductionist thinking in diet and exercise world. I don't know a better term for it, but in that realm of work, so much reductionist thinking about just, a, I think also it might be just people want a quick fix. Like you mentioned earlier, they're just, they're yeah. looking for the magic pill, the magic, okay, when I stop eating carbs, I'm gonna be skinny. Or if I drink this gallon of water or what have you, that that's it. And it's there's so much more to it. And I think, and maybe it is the fact that we have become such a technological society it is. that we don't, It we're losing, I don't know, some critical thinking skills, maybe. I don't know. But as opposed to, I don't know. It's just, it like I said, weird. It's no, very weird. I definitely, I definitely agree. Like I mean, think about that. Right, right. I mean, we live... I mean, you order something on Amazon, it's at your door in 24 hours. You want something, DoorDash, people are so are getting so used to instant gratification. It's, it's around every corner, but you cannot have instant gratification if your goal is to improve your relationship with food, really understand what you're eating without guilt or shame, and lose weight and have weight maintenance in mind. That stuff don't take instant gratification. I mean, just, I was trying to, you know, tell my moms in my program, think about raising kids. You don't just get to enjoy them when they're adults. Y'all just have a great time at the spa. No, you got to go through the terrible twos. You got to go through the teenage years when you're the worst person in the world. I mean, there's so much that has to happen before you get to that point where you look at them like, I did that damn thing. I'm proud. Just think about it like that. Like the same thing with your diet when you get to weight maintenance. It's like, wow, I... I did that. And now when you get there, and you know, you did all that. You're not going to let nothing get in the way. You're not going to let nothing mess you up again because you, you put that work in and you took your time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't want to put the time and don't realize that it is, it, it is a little time consuming, like to get, to get on the track to do the meal prepping. What are your thoughts on meal prepping? 
Are you a meal prepper yourself? I'm a meal prepper. I do not like to cook every day out of the week. Um, I gotta, I gotta prep my meals, and that, and that's. I know a lot of people are not really fans of um, leftovers because you know meal prep is just leftovers. We just put like a cute little term on it. Um, but me, I just don't. I don't like cooking every day. It takes up way too much time. So I'm gonna prep my meals, cook them, cut, chop my vegetables up ahead of time, then have a day to cook them and all that good stuff. So. Meal prep is a great tool if you leverage it correctly. I'm a bit of a meal prepper myself too. And it is just leftovers, but the 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 cute part and the mental part of it. But that is something that also you have to keep in mind that like you do have to like cook more or being, I live alone. So sometimes I'm like, meal prepping seems to hit different now because I don't know, it's just, just a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, meal prepping, I think is really important, but that's something that people don't want to take the time to do. I think is another piece of it. And it does seem, I think, when people think of meal prep, they think of all the cute little containers and, and yes. oh, I got to get this kind of food and stuff. And it's like, you don't got to blow, you don't got to blow a bag to, to meal prep. Just get your regular no. containers that you already have no. and put your food in there. <laughs> but I think that is one of the things that like, keeps people from, from doing it or thinking that it's such a big to do or I don't know. I also used to do, what are your thoughts on meal services? Like we used to do HelloFresh which I really enjoyed. There were no leftovers, so that was annoying. It was a little pricey, but they did send fresh food and all that. Yeah, so nothing wrong with HelloFresh, Blue Apron, any of those that uh, will send you raw material and you cook it up. If you want to cut out the grocery store and do that, that's cool. You're still doing fresh ingredients. You're still reducing your added sugar and your added salt to your foods because you are still cooking them yourself so that could also be a great way to leverage your time i know i have a lot of um, moms that are wives that have full-time jobs that are trying to focus on themselves so i'm always thinking like how can we use the technology we have today but also make sure our health is in order make sure we're still on the path for long-term weight loss and doing like a hello fresh um having like maybe that for two or three times a week could really help as well Okay. Mm-hmm. I think mm, I think I kind of want to move the conversation to now is what are your like go-to tips? Like if you had to had to just sum up your favorite dieting tips or how to do it, what would you say? If someone was like, give me an elevator pitch on your business or whatever, um, okay. what would you say? Okay, so let's see. Um I am talking to someone who wants to not only lose weight, but maintain their weight loss goals in the future. They want to understand nutrition. So my thing to them would be, okay, sis, let go of the idea that you have to do this in three months, two months, six months, get buckled down. This is your lifestyle. Always think long-term high fiber start building that fiber up where are you? you don't know you don't know where you don't know where you um where you're trying to go if you don't figure out where you're starting start tracking your food write down what you're doing you can use my fitness pal but honestly the paid version i can talk about them in a minute but use the paid version of my fitness pal write down your food track it in there you start to see okay my fiber is low my protein is may on the lower end oh my saturated fat is high 
Start to focus on those certain areas. Don't focus so much on the calories just yet. I want you to focus on increasing your fiber through vegetables, through lentils, through beans, those type of things. Fiber is so important. I'm going to harp on fiber so much. Um, and then also next, find physical activity that you actually enjoy. If you don't enjoy lifting weights in the gym with the guys hunching and hovering and you don't have to do that. Find something that you enjoy. If it's pole dancing, I love doing some pole myself. Get in that. If you love to zoom, right? If you love to step and dance and zoom, get in that. It doesn't have to be something that you're just sweating and sore and can't move. Find something you enjoy. Um, and I always think long term. I'm in it for the long haul. This is my life. Period. I think I think that's one of the best things that you've said. Like it's been a uh, thread throughout the conversation that we've been having is longevity and like in it for the long haul, making real lifestyle changes. And I think that that is, if I had to take any takeaway from this entire thing, building lifestyle changes and not cutting out, not torturing yourself. I think often when it comes to diet exercise, people are ready to see it as torturing themselves and you don't have to. I think that that is so important. Like I said in the beginning, when I found you on Instagram or no, TikTok, I was like, yes, these are the kind of things that I want people to hear because that is so important. And I think there are already so many barriers that exist for Black women when it comes to physical activity, which is where I work in. But I know the same can be said about dieting because it just, there's, it looks so much more complex, I think, than maybe what it has to be. And it just discourages oh, yeah, people. So I'm, I'm glad that that is, like I said, what you're, what you're all about. The yeah the true change and just being healthier. The fact that you've mentioned about like the, the blood panels and actually knowing about your health. I think sometimes, especially with diet and exercise, both that go hand in hand, people use them both for vanity as opposed to true health. And I okay. think that, that, that is the, the killer. That's, and that's why I think sometimes this stuff can't be enjoyable because yes. it's, you're using it for the wrong things. When really the food is, food is, life-giving not literally you don't have to be deprived of anything um so right yeah, i love all of yeah i love girl i love nutrition especially when i get in front of somebody who is truly ready for it and not those folks who are trying to challenge me i'm like look i have no time for you i'm just gonna put my degree up right here and just walk away but um uh, I always think like I just going back to the longevity i know i said you're in the long when you're in it for the long haul that doesn't mean you're not running the entire time, right? You're not trying to just outpace yourself to where you are going to stop. Walk it, jog it, have fun. Yeah, I tell the girls that participate in my initiative the same thing, that walking is what we, is like our predominant thing, but that fitness does not have to be not fun. Like, of course you don't want to work out because you see it as a punishment or yep. same with food. Yep. You yeah, it's just, it's all about shifting that mind, that mindset. What did I read in your bio that you said? Mm -hmm. Mindset-focused framework, health and a mindset-focused framework. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. It's all about what you, what you think or how you frame things. Exactly. And I will go ahead and plug now the Nourish Mindset Academy. Perfect. Because you know what? I have learned from being in nutrition for, I don't know, I think it's like seven years at this point. Definitely been doing this for a long time. And like I was saying, um, you can't really change anything without addressing what's going on in your mind. You can't 
if you what are you telling yourself what are you taking in as information which is giving your your thoughts lead to whatever actions your actions lead to behaviors your behaviors lead to your habits so instead of trying to go straight to your habits and let me change that no we got to go all the way back to what your mind has been saying to you this whole time what you have picked up over the years what people have told you we have to there's a lot of unlearning that happens when you are trying to truly normalize sustainable flow and progressive weight loss versus I'm just gonna lose weight what's your goal if your goal is just to lose weight I'm definitely not the dietitian for you the nourish mindset academy is not for you um but for nourish mindset academy we focus on foundational is your mindset and then I'm giving all these great tools and strategies that you can actually take in because you did the work of unlearning the bs so that is the academy three-month program I always tell people it takes much longer than three months to actually create habits because of course we're in our 20s people are in their 40s you've been doing that for a whole life so it takes much longer than three months but i always encourage folks to work with me much longer than that but three months is a great time to get in front of some new information and have your your mind blown (laughs) okay so nourish mindset academy is your virtual like training type situation that you do with all new clients or or that is how it starts people start with nourish mindset academy and they can either continue doing that or yes. So the, the Nourish Mindset Academy is, yes, my premier program, a uh, high accountability coaching program that I have for um, black women. Um, all women are welcome, but I did make my stuff tailored for the black experience. Um, and you can be in my program for three months. I've had up to nine uh, lady, a couple women actually in there up to nine months because they realize, you know what, I'm doing great. I still need that accountability. I still have questions. So they were in the Nourish Mindset Academy for nine months. So it, it just depends on uh, what people are feeling. And, uh, but yeah, I always tell people six to nine months, you want to be in that. So that is group coaching, correct? And then do you also accept um, like individual clients as well, right? So right now I do not because I have a full-time job. So the best way for me to maximize on my time and leverage my time is hitting a lot of women at once. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, I'm for some goodness sake, I got a public health degree. So I'm all about uh, macro level um, intervention versus like that individual. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Good to know. Um, and then I will put all the information on how to find the Nourish Mindset Academy and um, how to find Esosa and everything in the show notes. So you can just easily click on the links and find those. Um, and her TikToks too. TikToks are great. <laughs> I'm a TikToker, not TikTok maker, TikTok watcher. Uh, but yeah, I think, and for a lot of people, I think that sort of information sharing is that, that quick satisfaction again, um, easy to watch. But yeah, so I will put all of that information in the in the show notes people can click on it get to you um yeah i think that's uh i think that's sufficient i think we i think we've covered some great things today um i have one last question that i ask all of my guests um if you listen to the podcast at all before we got here um it's not a surprise but if you did it you're about to be surprised so anyway (laughs) so the last question um one of the things that i am very passionate about um is being the kind of person that I feel like I needed as a little kid. Um, Mm. I had a great family, loved my mother to death, but I think everyone probably has that, that cool adult in their life. 
or what or what have you, that person, um, being that kind of person that you needed. Or um, as an adult now, one of the things that I like to do or like have made a habit of is pouring into others and like saying the things that I wish I would have heard. I'm going to say it to a younger girl. Um, working out of college, I get the opportunity a lot to tell girls yes. like about like college or just life, um, yes. things that I wish I would have heard when I was 18, 19. So that being said, if you could give your younger self any advice or if there's anything that you think a younger girl needs to hear now that you wish that as an adult now, you're like, I wish someone would have told me that, what would it be? No, this is really good. I always do like this introspection uh, as well. Um, I would definitely tell my younger self that you're not a B student. You're not a B student. You're not, I used to tell myself that a lot. I'm just a B student. I'm just a B student. You're not a B student. You're not, um, you know, you're not just making it. You're not just average, right? You don't, don't reduce yourself like that. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say that because I definitely used to walk around, went into college saying I'm just a B student, but then I got into nutrition, very hard thing to go through. So I was like, I can't keep telling myself, I keep, can't keep having this narrative in my head because like I say, your mindset shows up in your actions. So young girl, little girl, little big hair girl, big hair girl, you're much more than a B student. You have killed it, continue to kill it. And um, yeah. I love that. I um, I was muted when you first started talking, but I love that you said you are not a B student or you're not like just that. Um, oh yeah, look, people get me every time, even though the question is usually a surprise for the person, the answers are what always obviously are a surprise for me. And I love that. I think a lot of that is one of the things I talk about in therapy a lot with like my personal therapist is like mm-hmm. unlearning those those soundtracks in your head, the things that you've been telling yourself, like, oh, I'm just a B student, or that that was not my personal soundtrack. But like just yes. the things that you the narratives that you have to unlearn that you are more than that, that you are so much more than even what, especially for kids, that's something that I have am unlearning at 28. The things that I was told about myself as a child are not the same as what I am now as an adult and like that's okay like that you don't have to stay in that box or the labels that other people give you are not you don't have to agree with them you don't have to to take on that just because that's what someone else said yes you can think for yourself and be more and do all those great things yep yeah. yep I believe people t- drop it on you somewhere in life maybe it's just once but it's up to us to keep it going. Are we going to keep it going? We have the choice to stop it. You yeah. have the choice. You know, I mean, I used to say, um, I'm not really good in talking in front of people. I'm, I'm shy. I kind of just like to stay to myself. That held me back. Like, I, yeah. I have to realize, wow, it's me at this point that's holding myself back. So I was tell that girl, look, not a B student. You're not shy. Speak up, period. Okay. Yes, speak up, period. Advocate for yourself. Um, before we close out, do you have any closing thoughts or any last thing that you want to share um, about your business or yourself or any, yeah, just any last things that you want to say? Yeah. So, um, this has been a great experience. I appreciate you finding me, reaching out to me, um, for this. I hope that your, 
your folks who are listening to this that you're pushing it towards really enjoy the conversation they can find me melanin underscore poppin rdn on instagram and tiktok i'm more active um with my followers on instagram tiktok is very quick 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 and instagram i can you know jump in your dms have a conversation and i'm very much like i know when we look at influencers online they're like I don't know if it's like, they're not really people like, you know, we can talk. I love to talk, you know, so um, follow me there. Have a question, ask me. Um, I'm, yeah, I'll say that. Okay, perfect. Um, and that's good to know as well um, that you are very active on Instagram. I know we follow each other now and I encourage other people. She just said she likes to answer questions, y'all. So don't, I think, and that's a big part of why I do this in the first place is exposing people and getting them to a place where they they have a resource that they can't find and ask someone. Yeah. So I really appreciate you being on today and sharing your time and your knowledge, all of it. Thank you so much. Of course. And yeah, I love it. So hopefully we can connect in a different way or a different capacity after this. Cause this is the other thing doing this podcast. I feel like I'm making friends in, the, in, this, <laughs> in this public health world. Like, okay, now I got a girl in Texas. This is my friend. So yes. yes. Um, so again, thank you so much for being on here. And I'm going to close out the show the way that I always do by just saying this. Black girl, you are beautiful. Black girl, you are talented. Black girl, your feelings are valid. And black girl, you are loved. See you guys.